0: Thank y'all for the good singing and uh, the worship today. And uh, that's what the Lord wants. And uh, The sign out there says that's what we're supposed to be doing now. Supposed to be a worship hour. Alright, let's open our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to be reading from about three places today. And uh, then we're going to bring the message today. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 we're going to read a few verses there and then go to chapter 12 2nd Samuel chapter number 11 that's in the old testament and right before the book of kings and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Amnon, and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. It came to pass in an evening tide, don't take long to get out of the will of God, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. The devil don't put ugly women in front of you. Glenn McGuire used to say there aren't no ugly women, just some's pretty and others. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam? The wife of Urah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived. Be ye you sure your sins will find you out. And sinned and told David, and said, I'm with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Let's drop down now to chapter 12 and verse 1. In the meantime, uh, a woman is with child. Uh, A man is murdered. And uh, we come down to chapter 12. And the Bible said, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he saith unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives under thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Moreover hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Amnon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Urah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thy own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, and before the Son." And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Let's go to the New Testament. First epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible said, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Thank you. you can be seated. Our fathers, we come this morning, Lord, unto the throne of grace that we might find help, Lord, in a time like this. Lord, we thank You for the church. We're thankful the Lord's building a church in this world. What would this world be like without a church? Lord, we're thankful this morning. That Lord, those that know you and are saved, these young people, that God has put a song in their heart, even praise unto our God. Lord, as we come this morning, Lord, we need God to come. And uh, Lord, we need you to, uh, Lord, anoint us afresh today. We need you to cleanse us afresh. We need you to fill us afresh. We need you, Lord, to use us today to speak to somebody in this service today or somebody's in this service today that need to hear from heaven. Now, Lord, we pray for lost souls to get saved. We thank you for the one that was saved in January. We're praying God will give us souls in February. And, uh, Lord, we pray you'll get all the glory and all the honor. For, your Lord, you're worthy. And uh, your name alone is above every name. And it's your name only. Every knee is going to bow and every tongues going to confess someday. Amen. Now Lord, forgive me my sin. Cleanse me. Lord, use me today for thy glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach this morning upon unconfessed sin. We have in the first reading this morning, we have a man who did not confess his sins for a while. He finally did, but it took him a while to confess his sin. In our second reading, we're told by a man of God, John, that we are to confess our sin. John tells us if we say we don't have any, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Nathan is used of God. Nathan is used of God, and he is the man that is used of God to get David to confess his sin. Getting people to confess their sin is dangerous business. You say, what do you mean, Brother Rick? Well, John the Baptist, he preached and told people to confess their sins and repent. He preached, confess your sins, and it got him a platter with his head on it. Paul preached that people need to confess their sins, and it got him a prison cell. John, the revelator, preached that men ought to confess their sins, and it got him a patamus is what it got him. And Jesus Christ, men like Jesus' miracles. Oh, they loved His miracles. Uh, who don't like a miracle? Amen. Uh, they loved His meals. Who don't like a free lunch? Amen. They liked His meals, but they did not like His message or His preaching. Uh, because Jesus said, Except you repent, you will perish, he said. Uh, and for that, it got him crucified on a cross. Amen. Well, uh, you see, in our kind of a day, we don't, we don't see much confession of sin. All people come to the altar, but they come to the altar to pray for a healing, they come to the altar to pray for someone else. Uh, Uh, They come to the altar to pray for a need in their life, uh, uh, but very, very few people in our kind of a day uh, uh, come down to the altar to pray uh, uh, and ask God to forgive them of unconfessed sin. You say, well, preacher, I'm saved. The people John wrote to were saved. He said, we walk in the light as he is the light. Uh, but he said we must confess our sin. I, I know there's a teaching going around the country for a few years that once you get saved, you don't never have to confess sin. I, I don't know where they got that at, but they didn't get it in the Bible. The Bible said that even though you're saved, that once you're saved, your sin will not affect your salvation, but it can affect a whole lot of other things. But you see, the reason we don't hear sermons like this today is because uh, we don't have no sin today. Because we, we have made everything, uh, everything to be okay because of the time and the season and the world that we're living in. And sin is no longer exceedingly sinful like it was in Bible days. Did you know God hates sin so much He crucified His Son to get rid of it? Amen. Amen. And so this, uh, this little message here today is about unconfessed sin. You see, most people don't consider things to be sin that is sin. They don't think nothing about it. I heard a preacher the other day, I can't remember where it was, maybe it was here, I don't know, I heard somebody say, They asked the congregation, What is sin? Well, we don't have to define what the Bible's already defined. And the Bible said sin is transgression against God's law. In other words, sin is trespassing into a place that God has posted and said, Don't trespass into this place. That's what sin is. And uh, you'd be surprised how much trespassing we do in a week. Right. And God sees it, but we don't even consider it. Amen. Right. You see, the truth of the matter is that we don't feel strong conviction about things that we don't really consider to be serious sin. In other words, if, if I went down the interstate this week and the sign said 70 miles an hour, and I did 75, which I did. I didn't feel strong conviction and pull over and get out and ask God to forgive me. You say, why? Because uh, things that God looks at it' sin, we just kind of look over them, amen? We don't think there's that much wrong with it. But... Uh, if this week I had murdered somebody uh, this week, I think the conviction would be a lot stronger than it would have been when I went five mile an hour over the speed limit. Right. You say, why? There's some things that, that bring strong conviction. And I, I think the Holy Spirit convicts over every sin. But I think there's some sins that He brings strong conviction over. I want to look at three people here in my text today. And the first one I want to look at is Nathan. Everybody needs a Nathan in their life. You say, who was Nathan? Well, he was God's prophet, if you will. He was God's preacher, if you will. And Nathan was the man that helped David to see his sin. You see, it's possible that we can see it and not see it. That's why we come to a place like this. So that God can kind of get our attention, get us away from the radio and the internet and the TV and the social media and all uh, oh, the racket and get us in a place like this. And, and uh, I heard a preacher say this week, he said, he said it makes me nervous when it gets still. I don't like it when church gets still. I've heard a lot of preachers say that. I like it. And I know why people don't like it. Because the Bible said, be still and know God. I like it when a holy owl comes over the service and, and, and you can hear a pin drop. I like it when God shows up. And everybody's like the people of Moses. When that happens, they say, Oh, make some racket. Get something going on. I can't take this. reason we can't take it is because sometimes God speaks to us. In that time of quietness, amen? You know, I, I've recently, this last year, I've seen some types of the Holy Spirit in the Bible that I never have seen before. I feel like they could be somewhat of a type of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like Nathan here could almost be a type of the Holy Spirit. You say, why? He was sent by the King, he was sent by God, if you will. He said, go down there and tell David. He was sin. I think the Lord, I think the Lord sent Nathan, don't you? And I, I think Nathan makes a wonderful type of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, if I go not away, he said the comforter will not come. But he said when he's come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. I, I, well, that's what Nathan was. Nathan sent down there to the king by God. I he sent down there, and I see how he could easily be a type of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what kind of shape we would be in, the church would be in today without the Holy Spirit? I mean, we're always talking about we're glad he comforts us, but I'm glad he convicts me, amen, amen. I, uh, because if he didn't, we'd be in a mess and so, everybody needs a Nathan in their life. Everybody needs somebody that will just flat out tell them the truth. I, I, that's what Nathan did, amen. I, now, the world today don't want a Nathan in their life. They don't want somebody who's going to preach it like it is or tell it like it is. I've had a many of them over 43 years said, Preacher, I like somebody tells it like it is. I like somebody preaches it straight. And uh, they did like it preached straight and like it was as long as I was preaching to somebody else. But when I got on them, they didn't like it that good anymore. But you see, Nathan was sent. Nathan was very skilled in how he dealt with this. You see, David had reached a point. He knew he had sinned, but he had done forgot about it. He had done swept it under the rug. Listen. Just because I forget my sin and you forget your sin that you never have confessed, don't ever thank God's for God. Some people think because they do a bad thing uh, and then they do ten good things, uh, they they give in the offering, they go to church, they do ten good things. Uh, Uh, They think that negates the one bad thing that they did. Uh, But I will tell you, a thousand good things cannot negate one bad thing. Uh, Only God can forgive sin. Uh, And I look here, and boy, I see how skilled Nathan was. Nathan went down there and he said, Hey David, I need to see you just for a moment. And he said, David, he said, I want to tell you about something that's happened and I need to get your opinion on it. And he said, David, he said there came, there were two men in one city. The one, David, was very rich and the other, and he was real poor. And he said that rich man, he had all kinds of flocks. But he said that poor man, he only had one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and he nursed it up, and it grew up together with him. The kids played with it, and it was somewhat of a pet to him. and it lay on his bosom. And he said, but there came this traveler through. Uh, and he said, he came unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock. He, that rich man had all kinds of little ewe lambs, uh, but this traveler, he uh, he didn't take from him. But said David, said the man went on down to this poor man and he said he got that one little ewe lamb that poor man had and he dressed it for the man that was to come to him. David said David was anger was greatly kindled against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord liveth the man that done this thing shall surely die. Never seeing itself. You it's see how skillful Nathan was in bringing that down in a scenario and explaining it there to David, and David never even realized that he was a rich man. He was the one that had all kinds of uh, ewe lambs, and David had went down to Uriah, and he was a man didn't have nothing. Just one little ewe lamb, and David took that little ewe lamb away from him, and uh, and and when David said. Uh, kill that man ever who did this. David said, I want him killed. Uh, And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. That's preaching. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's very skilled into helping people see their self and to see their sins because he's trying to bring them to confess them. To confess them. All these preachers in here have all had this spoke to them. He preached very long. Somebody come out the door and said, uh, uh, you're preaching right to me. Somebody told you all about me and nobody told us anything about anybody. Right. But that's the Holy Spirit and He's very skilled into singing of, singling people out uh, and hanging their sin before them. Right. Nathan was very straight. He didn't play around. He said, Thou art the man. Kind of a yea for a yea and a nay for a nay type preacher. Uh, not really something good going to happen to you type preacher. I mean, if something was good is was going to happen to you, he'd tell you. But if, if, if something bad was going to come, he'd tell you that too. Uh, of all that the Lord told him to say, he said it. Nathan's job was to bring David to confess his unconfessed sin. That's what church is about. Amen. That's what the altar's for. That's what around these steps is for. It's so that once the Lord makes us see our sins, uh, and we all got them, unless you just ask the Lord a minute ago, and confessed it to the Lord. It's still there. And the reason some people can't never get ahead is because they never get rid of what they're dragging behind. I mean, they're saved, but then they get this unconfessed sin in their life, and they never do confess it. Now, I want you to notice something uh, not only about Nathan and his unconfessed sin, but I want you to notice about David and his unconfessed sin. It really starts in chapter 11 and uh, not not in verse 4 where you think it started. It really started back in verse 1. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. God it had a place for David to be, and David wasn't there. But that's a small thing mess church, not be at church. That's nothing. David was supposed to be on the battlefield, but David didn't think too much about that, but that was David's first sin. Amen. This may shock you, but it's a sin to not be in church if you're able. Because right. the Bible said, do not forsake this sin of yourself together. It said don't do it. So if you do it, you're trespassing. You say, well, Brother Rick, I know it's good to go to church, yeah it is. And the Bible said uh, whatsoever things it said if you know it to be good and you don't do it, it becomes sin. I'm not preaching on church attendance today. I'm just preaching on the fact that it all started when David stayed at home. And we know we know that David went at least close to ten months before he ever confessed any of this sin. You see, David went ten long months with this sin in his life, but he never did confess it. It was unconfessed sin. Can I tell you that everything that follows David's life after that he don't go to battle, after he lays with Bathsheba, after he gets of the Hittite killed, after, 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 everything that follows verse 1 of chapter 11 is all negative. You know why? Because of that unconfessed sin in his life. And you're not going to prosper. The Bible said, whosoever coveth their sin will not prosper. Try to hide it. You won't prosper. You'll only prosper when you confess your sin. Now we all know David, I mean the, the giant slayer, the sweetest psalmist of Israel. Uh, I mean the one that could play and the demons would leave Saul. We all know David uh, back there. But the David we know from here on out is a different David. Uh, uh, you see, unconfessed sin, uh, it made a difference in David's life. Uh, you see, even though he was still acting king, even though he was still giving the orders, the blessing of God would not there. And we've got to sin in our life. Even though we come to church, we keep paying our tithes. We may sing in the choir. We may even give testimony. But if we got to sin in our life and the Holy Spirit's put His finger on it, and we're not confessing it, God's not going to bless us. Now watch what happened to David when he went ten months with unconfessed sin. The first thing I notice is that the unconfessed sin run David's character. David was a man of character. Up until this event here, Uh, David was well thought of and well looked upon. But let me ask you a question. Once he got Joab and got him in on the thing uh, and Joab read the letter and Joab knew what David was doing and Joab knew about Bathsheba and Joab knew she was a child. I, I wonder how much respect that Joab had for David. You see, when we get unconfessed sin in our life, it, we don't. We don't have to do nothing. It'll do it for us. It starts running our character, and we start doing things that normally we wouldn't have done. Our character goes down. I'll tell you what: confess sin will do. It'll help your character. Amen. I notice this: David's unconfessed sin resulted in a crime. God said he was guilty of murder. I read it to you in chapter 12. God said, Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. Uh, Even though he didn't really do it, he was a part of it. But God said, Thou hast done this. Now, notice this, that if David had confessed his sin earlier in the chapter, this wouldn't have taken place. But you see, I wonder how many people are in the prison system and in jails and, and and everywhere else uh, uh, because they have unconfessed sin in their life uh, and one sin that wasn't really that much led to something else until it became something great. Uh, all because they didn't confess it. Amen. I went to her, Dean McNeese preached this week. Brother Dean, has a, he has a habit, if you ain't in him like y'all ain't doing me much this morning. But he has a, Dean has a habit that if you, if you don't amen him every 10 or 15 minutes, uh, uh, brother, brother Caleb knows. He'll say, y'all ain't helping me. Yeah. And he said he was preaching somewhere, and he done said it about 10 times. He said, y'all ain't helping me. Uh, and said so there's a little old 90-year-old woman stood up with her purse on her shoulder, and she said, and you ain't helping us. Uh, and she went out, Amen. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I'm helping you or not this morning. I'm trying to. You see, the seriousness of unconfessed sin. I mean, who would have thought that David would have ever done what he did? But he's a man. He's flesh. We know that. We all don't go to battle sometimes when we're supposed to. uh. uh we all maybe look somewhere we shouldn't look. David went further than that. Uh, and we might say, David, I see how you could not go to battle. David, I understand how that happened with you and Bathsheba. After all, she was a beautiful woman. The devil don't put no ugly woman in front of you to try to tempt you. She was probably the most beautiful woman there in the kingdom. And we could give David that. But who would have ever thought that David would have laid plot to have a good man killed. He's a better man than David is. But you see, that unconfessed sin, one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, his character's going downhill all the time. And finally, David, he gets to a place or that David does something he would have never done. I mean the David you and I know is the David that said, kill that man that took that man's little you lamb. Right. But you see, that's the David of make-believe now. But the real David, he has got to the place where he can commit a crime. Don't think because you're saved if you run around with unconfessed sin in your life that God has put His finger on Honey, that's one of the most dangerous things you've ever done in your life. You say, why? Because like in David's life, it keeps running character. Like in David's life, it led to a crime. I noticed something else about David's unconfessed sin. I noticed that David had lost his compassion. Because when they came back to David, and they said, David, uh, David your eye's dead. He got killed in the battle. Look at what David said in verse 25. David said, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devireth one as well as the other. See, David, boy, that's cold. That's cold. And then one, two verses later, he takes the man's wife and brings him to his cell. That's cold. And can I tell you that David had lost his compassion. Listen, sometimes unconfessed sin will dry up the well of tears. unconfessed sin, lost his compassion. The Bible said, in verse 25, He said, Let not this thing displease you. He said, Don't let this bother you boys. One dies in the battle, another don't. And He said, Don't worry about it. You know, this is just war. It's the way things go. I mean, you can tell there's no compassion there. No guilt there for what He's done. And we all know this, the longer we go with unconfessed sin, the harder our heart gets. And even though the Holy Spirit's knocking, it gets more fainter because of the callousness that comes over our heart. Can I tell you something else I noticed about David's unconfessed sin over a 10-month period? I noticed that his unconfessed sin cuts off the circuit. You say, what do you mean? Well, David used to be a man. He could pray and God would hear him. He could ask something. God would do it. But his unconfessed sins cut off the circuit. You say, where's that at? Verse 16, the Bible said, David besought God for the child. Did God hear him? The Bible said in Psalms, I think, it's, uh, I think it's 66 verse 18 or 68 verse 18. The Bible said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Amen. God puts His finger on a sin in my life. And I know it, boy. I feel the conviction of it. My prayer life's done till I get that blockage out of the way. God's got His face Hid from me. His ears, his ears have become deaf to me. Uh, My sin is between me and my God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. And David could pray all he wanted to pray, but God ain't going to hear him. See why? The circuit's cut off. Number three, let me say this. Number five, I noticed about David's unconfessed sin. He couldn't cover it. He kept trying to cover it all through there. He's trying to cover it. Uh, Bathsheba says, I'm with child, David. But you sure your sins sometimes they'll find you out? They'll always find you out. You see, does that mean everybody's going to find out about my sin? Not necessarily. It didn't say that. It said your sin will find you out. And when it finds you out, you need to confess it and not go wrong with unconfessed sin. Well, David said, That's all right, Bathsheba, we'll, we'll fix this. I'm the king. I got pull and power. I know what to do. I'll, I'll, send, I'll tell Joab to send your eye back home. And he did, and he came, and he made a big steak dinner and set it on the steps and, and sent the best wine down there but your eyes got character boy uh, your eye don't have any unconfessed sin. he don't eat a bite he don't sleep with his wife that night he sleeps outside on the doorstep. Uh, David said, well that didn't work. Covering up sin don't never work So what David did said, okay I, I got another plan. Joab, take, take this letter down there to Joab and tell him to do what it says. And it said, put your eye in the forefront of the battle, the hardest part of the battle. Put him there where the chances are high that he's going to get killed. And that worked. As far as the plan going out. Now listen, I'm going somewhere today. Unconfessed sin cannot be covered even though Uriah was dead, even though Bathsheba was now his wife, he could not get rid of that unconfessed sin in his soul, in his mind, in his spirit. You say, how do you know that? Because Psalms 51, when he finally did come to the Lord, he said, my sin is ever before me. I said, I can't forget it. You know the Holy Spirit is. The, he is the chief. Uh, he is the chief interrogator. You got all these crime shows on television. My wife she likes to watch them. Well, you might well like to watch them. Uh, James like them, Linda. Well, you might as well like to watch them because that's all it's on. You say. God don't like that. Did you ever read the Bible? I mean, every other chapter, somebody gets murdered. I mean, there ain't a bloodier book in the world than the Old Testament. Amen. I mean, that's life. That's the way things are. That's reality. But you know, these crime shows, you know, they'll arrest this guy. They'll bring him in. And they'll do what they call interrogating. Boy, they study. They know how to do that. And uh, I read a book uh, a few years ago called "The Mind Hunters" by John Douglas. John Douglas was a an, an ex FBI man. He wrote that book, and he was an interrogator. That's what he done. And uh, and in that book, John Douglas said he said. Uh, in 1995, he got called down to Georgia, and he said a man named Darrell Jean Deaver, who had moved there from another state with a job, and he was trimming trees down in Georgia. Y'all might remember that. And there was a there was a little girl, uh, little girl down there, and uh, and that little girl. Uh, her name was Mary Frances Stoner, and uh, she was riding the bus home from school one day. And he was parked in a lane right there before she got off the school bus. And he called her over to the car, and he said, "Honey, can you give me directions for somewhere?" And she went to tell him. He said, "Come on over here in the car and sit down." And she'd come around there and got in the car and sat down, uh, I mean uh, I mean a big rock flowing distance from where she lived, and she got in that car. And he, he got her and made her get in the back seat. And, and, and he molested that young girl in the back seat of that car. And he wasn't going to kill her. But he didn't think she'd fight him like she did. And when she did, he tried to choke her to death. But he couldn't choke her because he wasn't that strong. And so he got a big 50-pound rock and he threw her on the ground and he, and he kept bashing her head with that 50-pound rock and killed her. Not long after that, they, they got enough information to arrest him. They brought him in for questioning. He denied everything cool as a cucumber. They couldn't do anything with him. and So they called uh, they, they they called John Douglas to come down. And he said, I want you to set up the interrogation room. He said, I want you to make it quiet in there like the Holy Spirit does when He interrogates. He said, I want you to turn the light down low. And he said, I want you to... They said he won't confess. He said he'll confess. They said, I want you to bring a about ten folders in there said don't matter if I ain't got nothing but blank paper said you pile them up on the table there in that interrogation room like he's going to see them and he's going to think that's all information about me wasn't nothing in there but white white paper and he said but the final thing he said y'all got that stone he bashed her head in with don't you he said yes we do he said, I want to see it. And they brought that stone out. It weighed about 50 pounds. And it still had the blood on it from, uh, from Mary where he killed her. He said, I want that stone sent out uh, far away from him in the room. And he said, that stone will do it. They said they brought him in the room. And uh, they said they brought Gene Deaver into the room. And said, as soon as he walked in the room, he'd seen that stone. He said he never could take his eye off that stone. And said they had them pile of files laying there, and he kept looking at them files. But he said he kept looking at that stone. John Douglas said about 30 minutes into the interrogation, he said, take that stone and move it over close to him. And they said as soon as he saw that stone, he broke out in a sweat. He got nervous. He started wringing his hands and the coolness left him and he couldn't take his eye off that stone. And that blood on it sitting right there next to him. He couldn't get it out of his sight. And after a little while, he said, I did it! I did it! I did it! I killed her! You said, what brought him to Confession. His sin was ever before him. He couldn't take it no longer. He raped and killed that little twelve-year-old girl in nineteen ninety-five or nineteen seventy-nine, and sixteen years later, in nineteen ninety-five, they executed him. I, I'll be your sure your sins will find you out. The wages of sin is death. Amen. You see, David. David had unconfessed sin, but Nathan's going to bring him. That Nathan got that little ewe lamb. That's the rock he set before him. That's what broke him down. See, Nathan an unconfessed sin. David an unconfessed sin. And then the Lord an unconfessed sin. Look at verse 13. David finally confessed. Things get better after that. They always do. David said in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Finally, David's unconfessed sin is confessed. If this had been done 39 verses ago, there wouldn't be a dead general, there wouldn't be a pregnant woman, there wouldn't be a dead baby. You say, what happened? He went ten months with unconfessed sin and it finally caught up with him. But, he did confess. Don't wait ten months. Don't wait nine months. Don't wait eight months. Don't wait two days. Don't wait two weeks. When God puts His finger on a sin in your life, you get it out of it right then. You say, well, what happened with the Lord? You said, this was the Lord in unconfessed sin. That's right. Even though David had waited ten months, even though there's going to be a dead baby, even though your eye's dead, even though he's got another man's wife, even though all that has took place, the Bible said in verse 27, the thing that David had done, adultery, Murder cover up. The thing that David had done it displeased the Lord. The Lord's displeased when you and I don't confess our sin. Amen. But the Bible don't say this. But wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense if the Lord was displeased when He wouldn't confess it? Don't you think He is pleased when He did? Amen. Amen. Even though it was late, even though it should have been done before now, I think when David confessed his sin, it pleased the Lord. The Lord liked it. Let me say this: even though David had done what he did, waited ten months. Talk about the Lord and unconfessed sin. Now, the Lord's not pleased with unconfessed sin, but if you please it, if you confess, it, He's pleased. The Lord cannot pardon unconfessed sin. Nobody will ever be forgiven of a sin they haven't confessed before God. They've been convicted of. You've got to confess your sin to be forgiven. We read that not in the Old Testament, in the New Testament today. David confessed and the Lord is pleased. David confessed and the Lord pardoned. Look at what the Bible said in verse 13. And the Bible said, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Boy, in the Old Testament, David didn't have a prayer. His adultery would be stoned. Murder, he'd be stoned. I mean, he that's why David said in Psalms 51, I didn't bring no sacrifice because there ain't none for what i done. But God's merciful, isn't He? And God pardoned, pardoned David. The Lord gave David a pardon. I didn't say He gave him a, a parole. Aren't you glad you didn't get a parole when you got saved? You say, what's that mean? That means if you mess up, you're going back. Well, I ain't going back lost no more. I didn't get a parole. I I got a pardon, thank God. But there was a postponement in David's confession. We know that there were 10 months between when David done this thing and when David confessed this thing, and David's somebody that knows. Don't you ever think that a preacher, Bible teacher, somebody that knows the Word of God, don't you never think the Lord won't judge them harder and expect more of them than somebody who just got saved? Don't know all this stuff. David's a king, he'll know better. It was postponed, and listen, here's the thing, and I'm done. Unconfessed sin for a long period of time, even though you get forgiven, it can carry a penalty with it. You say, what do you mean? What's the penalty? Verse 18, the child died. The child died, even though David confessed his sin, even though he's asking God to not let the child die, the penalty is that the child dies. You say, what are you saying this morning? I'm just saying something you don't hear in 2023. Well, whoever heard of something like this? You're not supposed to preach stuff like this. You're supposed to preach your your best you as now. You ain't supposed to preach about sin. Don't you know nobody's got none in 2023? None they're willing to admit anyway. But I think the number one problem with the church today is unconfessed sin. People just go back to church and they think because they're back in church that that negates all that sin back there, or that one sin back there that God keeps bringing up. That, that, one, that one sin that every time you go down around God, that God keeps setting it out before you. God's not trying to be mean or hurt you. God's trying to help you. Because it can't get better till you say, God, I sinned against you. Forgive me. I'm confessing it. I'm confessing it. Business picks up then. Amen. God gave us the Holy Spirit, yes, to comfort us, yes, to bless us, but He's also the chief interrogator. Now, I don't know your life, don't care to. I don't know your past, and ain't going to try to find out. But the Holy Ghost is a chief interrogator. And if He puts His finger on something, you'll never prosper by not confessing it. And we could be here till tonight when Caleb preaches, Brother Caleb preaches, and talk about sins and what it could be that is not being confessed. But there's no need of that. The Holy Spirit puts his finger on it. Yeah. Amen. And he says, that's it right there. Now, for some of you, and I'm done, you said you said that a minute ago. I'm looking for a place to land. Sometimes you've got to circle the runway a few times. But some of you, your sin, your unconfessed sin, according to St. John 16 and verse 7, your unconfessed sin is the sin of unbelief. I have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I have not believed that he was crucified on the cross died for my sins placed in a barred tomb rose on the third day for my justification and I never have asked him to forgive me That's that sin it keeps ever before you That's that sin the Lord keeps saying you ain't asked me to save you yet you ain't asked me to forgive you yet and It can only get worse But for others it might be somebody you ain't forgiven It might be something back there in your past somewhere that you wronged somebody, you did somebody wrong. It might be some act that you did. I don't know what it is. But I do know this, it don't matter what it is. If God's put his finger on it and brought it to your attention, the next thing you need to do is bring it to the Lord. You've been in his interrogation room this morning. His chief interrogator has been interrogating you while I'm up here talking. And if he points it out and says, that's it, you need to look at that sin and say, God, I've sinned against you. Forgive me, forgive me. Confessed sin comes forgiven sin. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the blessed Holy Spirit.